Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I know that my husband and I are both still young, but because of uh, grad school for me and grad school for him and his first job outside of grad school didn't have a 401k, I've been feeling like we're a little bit behind on the retirement savings. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host, and I'm also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here today with my guest, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where you live, what you do, how much you make, all that jazz. I am 28. Um, I live in central Virginia, and I am an educational data analyst for a school district. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just started in April, and I I like it so far. I am married, uh, and my husband is a editorial office manager for an international academic publishing company. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're kind of both in the education space. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of on different sides of it. Um, When I I was in grad school, I graduated uh, in May and I always talked about how we were on totally opposite sides of it because like in academia, you know, you're submitting to publish papers and he is like the person that would receive those papers (laughs) and help like the authors go through all the steps and things like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize. Okay. So and then what how much do you how much do you guys make? How much do you make and how much does he make? I make um fifty six thousand one seventy five and he makes sixty eight thousand. Okay, great. Perfect. I think you might be the first person from central Virginia. Really? It's hard Yeah, well it's it's getting a little harder to remember now because We've had so many yeah. episodes at this point. Um, it was, you know, easy in the beginning, but now I just I'm trying to remember. But I, I think I think so, but I don't know. It it is hard to keep track. But Central Virginia doesn't ring a bell to me in the mo- in the moment. So, and I mean, I've listened to most of them, and now that you say that, I'm also racking my brain, and I'm like, I I think you're right. 
Yeah, right. I think I am. I mean, I know we've had some like DC area people. So yeah. like maybe some of them said DC and lived in Virginia, but I don't know that we had anyone that said central uh, Virginia. So you could be the first. That's exciting. <laughs> okay. So let's, so, so good. So you have good income. So you went to, you went and got a master's to get to this position. So you graduated and then took this position. Is that correct? I actually uh, got my PhD. Um, oh, wow. This position. Yeah. Um, so I graduated with my PhD in educational psychology, and now I work for the school district, basically uh, managing their internal research projects and like benchmarking how the district is doing compared to like other school districts. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Very niche. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I would imagine there's one of you per school district. Per school district, our school or district it- is pretty small, and this is honestly the first time they've had this position. So I think oh, wow. other school districts might have like a few more, depending on like the size, or they might not okay. have like anyone in this position. Um, I think it's becoming more. I don't want to say popular, but I think more school districts are starting to to have a position like this. Yeah, because I would say data analytics is really popular in other fields. I just haven't heard of it in the education, like within a school district. Yeah, yeah. To, my, to study the data. My brother-in-law works for um, a bank and he told me he saw a data analytics position and he was like, I almost sent it to you. And I was like, no, that's a little bit that's different from what I do. Like banking data analytics is not quite the same as education <laughs> data <laughs> analytics. <laughs> Definitely. Well, because you like data, I have a very lovely spreadsheet here, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Everyone knows I like a spreadsheet. Um, okay, so let's maybe all kind of talk through what you've given me so that the listeners can have a peek as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with your fixed cost. I love that you broke it down by fixed and variable. So for the listeners, fixed costs are the ones that never change, so they're consistent every month, and then variable ones are the ones that obviously vary or it can go up or down depending on the, on the month. So we have your mortgage at 1430 mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that includes it's escrowed. So you have your taxes and insurance and all that. Okay. And then car insurance, 108 home serve. What's home serve. It's like a, um, our power company has like this program where you pay each month. It's basically like an additional insurance. Like you pay each month and then it covers some, like additional fees and things like that, like if they have to come out and repair something. Oh, okay. All right. And then you have internet for 56, phone for 25. So your total fixed cost a month uh, between the two of you is 1630. Mm-hmm. And then we have the variable cost, right? So we have gas at 125, groceries at 1000, power at 150, trash and water at 45, home supplies at 250, dog supplies at 150. So your total for your variable cost monthly is seventeen twenty. Mm-hmm. You then also, which I put in student loans, you have student loans at seven hundred a month. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that more. So okay, <laughs> we'll talk about that. And so then your total monthly expenses between the fixed variable and including the um, student loans mm-hmm. is going to be four thousand fifty. Yeah. Perfect. And then just so I know, what are you bringing in monthly between you and your husband? Um, it's about, I have it at the bottom here. It's about $6,800. Oh, perfect. Okay. I get paid every, twi- I get paid twice a month and he gets paid every two weeks. So this is just assuming a two paycheck month for him. 
So it's not including that month, two months that he has an extra paycheck. Perfect. And so, yes, because if you're paid every two weeks and not, for instance, the first or the 15th or the 15th and the 30th, you end up with 26 paychecks a year. And if you're paid twice a month, you have 24. So yeah, he ends up with two extra. Um, I like doing that because you're almost like hiding the money from yourself. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, oh, another paycheck. Who knew? So, okay. And then your other expenses that you have, you know, the fun money, things that you want to spend money on come to $800 a month. So then the total between what your, you know, needs versus wants, all the spending for the month comes to $4,850. You bring in, we'll say approximately 6800 so you have about a little over 1900 left over a month. Yeah. Perfect. And, this and then is all sort of estimates because uh we just bought a house at the end of September so really in October. Um and so for the past 3 months we have you know been like buying furniture and adding like doing things to the home so we haven't any difference uh that we have like any leftover money has like gone to the house and Mm -hmm. uh houses are expensive yeah (laughs) so (laughs) this is some of these are about what I think they will be but it you know they might change over time oh yeah that that's totally fine and so with your take home the monthly that you're bringing in 6800 between you and your husband because I'm looking at the that is, you're both contributing to your 401k. I'm looking at yes. this evening. Okay. So that is after health insurance and 401k. That's yes. your monthly net. And just to confirm, how much are you saving in the 401k? I have that in the next tab, in the savings tab. Okay. Um, so I have a, a hybrid account and a 401k. Yeah, so mine is the hybrid account um, okay. because I work for like the state of Virginia uh, they have a very oh. specific retirement program that is a little confusing to me. Basically, it's like three separate accounts. You have one's called your like your deferred compensation. One okay. is your cash match, and then there is one other part that's I think I don't know. I read the description; and it sounded a, kind of like a pension. I'm not really sure. Um, all I know is I contribute the max that I can, which is nine percent. Is that the max you're allowed to put in? Yeah. Oh, huh. I would have to read that to see why they cap it at. More information about it, but yeah, I don't think I can go any higher. Um, There's like, I think 5% was like automatically put in, split into two of the accounts. Like 1% went to that one that sounded kind of like a pension. Um, And then 4% went into the cash match one. And then, or maybe it was, no, maybe that was the deferred compensation. And then I added an additional 4%, which was the max I could do to get to a grand total of 9%. And then they match three and a half percent. Which is, which is great. So then, so you're putting in a total between your contribution and the match 12 and a half. And then your husband is doing 12% on his, and then he's getting a match of three. So then he's doing 15. Yeah. And he just bumped that up. So he just started his, this job, I think about three months ago, four months ago. And up until this past paycheck, he had just been doing 6% because they do like the 50% match up to 3%. He just did what he needed to do to get the maximum match. And then he just bumped it up to 12%. 
Perfect. Okay, good. And that monthly number that you gave, the 6,800, that's after these contributions. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. So that's good. Yeah, I'm curious because typically deferred comp would allow you to add more. So, but you know, that's just something to investigate for down the road if you do want to save more for retirement, seeing if with the deferred comp portion of your plan, if you could add a higher percentage. But also if it is a pension paying job, you know, like if you were to get a pension after you invest it, and it sounds like you would stay within a school arena because of the degree you have, right? So yes. then if, so then you don't always have to save quite as much in retirement um, if you're also getting a pension and that's being saved as well. But something to investigate because... Yeah, because I don't know if it's like a true pension, but the way yeah. I don't know, it was described sounded kind of like a pension, but I, yeah... I was do to- they ever have the people come in and do like a talk about the benefits, like the people that I run the plan? Seen it. Okay. But I mean, they have like the educational videos on their website and I just haven't like watched them. Well, those are like TBD if they're good. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I sort of deal with a person to be like, hey, I have a question, specific question. <laughs> but yeah, I can look that over and see if we can't figure that out. Obviously, I'm not familiar with the specific uh, district that you're in or state, so I'd have to read it. But for right now, considering you just bought a house, we're going to talk about student loans. I think that where you are with the savings is is great. And then you also have other savings besides the retirement. So you currently have 25000 in your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And is this a house emergency fund or is this like leftover Those from separate? Uh, we have okay. like a general emergency fund and okay. a house emergency fund. Um, Perfect. You have been listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we might be using some of the house funds, so, which is to pay off my student loans and to buy a fence. So we have it, but it might be going away and then we're going to rebuild it. But like it is our goal to have a house fund. House fund. Perfect. Well, and also when you first move in, it, it is expensive, as you said, like buying furniture and doing yeah. little repairs here and there and fences are expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. And then, so total with all of your, so you've broken down with all your cash savings, but the total mm-hmm. you have is $48,650. Yeah. Which is great. So yeah. So then let's talk about the student loans. Okay. Okay. Oh, and also you put your mortgage in there. So you did a great job. I'm so happy to see this. So you locked in your mortgage amount at 2.75%, which is great. Yeah. I would not prepay that. (laughs) I I anticipate rates going up. Okay. I was going to ask about doing like the principal curtailments and things like that. I don't know. In this moment, when we're doing a call today where we are slated to have three interest rate hikes, I think I would wait and see what happens with the mortgage rates because 2.75%, you know, you're getting a little bit of a tax rate off on that because you're paying all interest in the beginning of your mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the fence about whether or not that makes the most sense or I would probably, we'll go through these student loans, but I would think getting rid of your student loans and putting more into retirement will serve you better. And you can, because the thing is you can always in 10 years, if you continue to save as well as you're, you know, saving, you Mm -hmm. could always make a one-time lump sum principal payment at that point, but you're giving yourself that optionality because 
you can't ask for it back at that rate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> be like, so we, we prepaid the, the mortgage a bunch and now we've decided we would like uh, to take a loan at 2.75. And if, if the rate's not available, the rate's not available. So I would almost say, let's wait and see what happens with rates. And I would work on your other goals because at your age, you'll make such a bigger dent in the retirement by putting money there versus okay. paying off the mortgage. Because you know your retirement savings should be growing at a greater percentage than 2.75. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Ideally. <laughs> okay. But so, okay. So student loans, we have a total of 12,000. Mm-hmm. You Not bad for PhD. Well, I only had uh, loans for my undergraduate school. Oh. All of my graduate school was paid for. Yeah. Amazing. Lucky. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I... Your rates aren't that high, 3.86, but I would say I'm not a huge fan of the student loans because I feel like they can be a bit predatory. And I would imagine you've had these for a while. Yeah. I would just pay it off. You have the cash. Okay. So I guess, so what we were thinking about doing up until like a week ago when the, um, you know, the moratorium on the student loans was supposed to end, right? uh, the plan was for us to pay off my student loans with some of that house fund money that we have Yep. and then wait until like April to buy a fence. And now we're thinking about switching that because, yep. you know, that's exactly. So yeah, buy a fence now. And then do you think I should just still make like three? Cause it essentially will only be three monthly payments on it. You know, like, should I keep doing the monthly payments until I end up paying it all off? Or should I just like wait until April when they have to, when you have to, yeah, so I would. So you don't have to make any payments now, and they extended that, right? Yeah. So your all of those loans are part of the uh, payment pause, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So what I would do is buy your fence, and then you basically have enough left over monthly if you're saving that amount mm-hmm. to you, you'd almost have enough saved in that time to pay them off. Just if you save for the next four months. Okay. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't pay it off any earlier because if they keep extending it, that's true. <laughs> You can just, because like we didn't think they were going to extend it again and they did. So I would just keep saving the money up. And then that way, maybe if they extend it one more time, you'll have saved the money to just pay them off in full. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I I mean, I was really prepared to come in here and tell you how I was going to pay them off in in January before the moratorium ends and all of this stuff. And then, you know, they extended it and I was like, Oh wait, now I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> if I'm going to still just try to pay them off, if I should still do monthly payments or if I should just hold off and wait until. Yeah, I would hold off. If they don't want you to pay anything and they're not going to charge you anything, I would fully take advantage of that. Okay. And then I would just keep saving because then at that point, you'll just keep adding that money to your emergency fund. And then when, when the moratorium is over, then I would just pay them off. Okay. And it just gave you time to almost, you basically just saving all the money that you're going to use for it in the next few months. So then your emergency fund will be almost the same, minus the fence. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then you're in a great position because then all you'll have from a debt standpoint is just your 30-year conventional mortgage at one of the lowest mortgage rates we've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, we're really excited about the... (laughs) The interest rate on that. Yeah, I am too. It's phenomenal. Um, they, I mean, interest rates, because right now we're in a period of high inflation, which I don't think it'll stay this high for that long. I think it'll kind of, 
I don't think it's as transitory as the Fed was saying, but I, I think it'll come down a bit. But when we had super high inflation last time, mortgage rates went up to like over 16%. Oh. Yeah. So it's a great rate. That's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't pre prepay it now. Not to say that you're doing a great job with cash, not to say that in five years you say, you know what, we're going to make a one-time lump sum because you can still do that. Mm-hmm. So just remember, just because you didn't make a principal payment at all the first couple of years doesn't mean you can't then change your mind and do it on year four, year five. So yeah. I I think what, what I would do now is preserve your optionality with the mortgage, not make a principal payment, mm-hmm. pay off the student loans, continue to build your cash savings, which is great. And then from there, I would increase the retirement because you're both under 30. So the more you can put into retirement now, the better. Yeah. That was my next question is, okay. obviously we hope to like, you know, rebuild the house fund once we pay off the student loans and we have a little bit more that we want to get to the emergency fund. But then like, once we meet those goals, like what, what should we have you, do? <laughs> have you thought about doing a Roth IRA? Yeah. So does it make sense to like, put all of the money essentially that we save into, I guess, two Roth IRAs, right? Because we're two people. Or like, should I be putting that into investments or do I like, should I split that? that So what would be, okay. So with the investment, so it's half a dozen, one or the other. I like to see people do retirement first. And then once we're taking advantage of all the retirement options, then go to regular investments. Okay. Because remember, you're, you're, if you do a Roth IRA outside of your work plan, you're still in, it's still investments. It's just investing within right. a retirement account. But it's not right now. So we'll just give the, uh, the 2022 uh, married filing joint income limits. If you're making less than 204000 you can contribute the $6,000. So you could each do 6000 So mm-hmm. I, would, I would do the Roth. Okay. I, would do, I would focus on retirement now. Because you have enough of an emergency fund, which shouldn't be invested, right? That's meant to right. be not invest, you know, not meant to be invested. So I would do the work plans, which you guys are doing to get the the tax break. And then with the difference, I would do the Roths. So you each open a Roth and that mm-hmm. those monies will be invested as well. And then, you know, from there down the road, you could open up an investment account where you just do investments. But I don't, I think retirement would be the priority. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Because how how much are do you have in your four hundred one k your your well your hybrid and the your husband's four hundred one k not a whole lot because we both started like yeah, you went, in the year yeah okay so I would fo- that would be my focus would be retirement because the more you can get saved up now you'll have a much bigger impact on your retirement because you still have like thirty years for that yeah and to me the investment account I don't want to say isn't as attractive but you already have a house you're going to have no debt you know, minus the, that, the mortgage, which is the right. best type of debt um, that you can have. And you have the, the best interest rate you could possibly get. And then you'll have an, plenty of cash saved, you know, even after the student loans, if you can save for the next, you know, few months, you'll still have about 50,000 in emergency funds between the different invest, you know, different accounts that you have yeah. highlighted. So then from there, I would do the Roth and the 401k and really try and front load your retirement. Okay. Yeah, that was that from listening to the podcast, that was what I thought. But then I wasn't sure, (laughs) like, you know, the tax, I don't know, general tax benefits of like doing the Roth IRA versus like the investments when I, you know, investments are a little bit more liquid, but because we have an emergency 
Because you have an emergency fund. That's exactly right. Okay. So if there's an emergency fund, let's just say in the next six months, you basically will have all your student loans paid off and you'll still have about 48000 in emergency funds mm-hmm. minus whatever the fence costs. But the fence shouldn't, co- shouldn't like cut that in half. Hopefully, God. Hopefully not. <laughs> if it does, I would like look for another fence. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so then from there, which is what, when you heard from listening, is I would, because you're both 28, the opportunity now is to try and get as much safer retirement as you can. Okay. Because there's no tax drag. So the reason why the investment account every year, you're going to pay taxes on it. Right. And granted, while you're not in a high tax bracket, you don't need, unless there's another financial goal that we haven't talked about, you don't need it to be fully available to you. Mm -hmm. I think what we, we need is to make sure we get you to a great retirement number. And you don't need a lot of money to do that as long as you have a lot of time. And so you have a lot of time right now. Okay. I do have like one other potential savings goal. I'm not sure. Okay. So with my job, I do not get any sort of paid maternity leave. Um, okay. They obviously have like the FMLA, but that's unpaid. Yes. Yes. And I think that once I've been there for a year, I can qualify for short-term disability. Mm-hmm. And then short-term disability would be 60% of my income. So we don't have kids yet but we were thinking about having kids in the future. Does it make sense to sort of build an additional fund to sort of supplement any like short-term disability I would get for maternity leave? Or do you think that 60% would be enough to still like, I don't know, carry us during that time considering like, I don't know, that we have extra money each month and an emergency fund? I think that the the fact that you have so much saved up for the emergency fund is great. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about it, when we go back to your budget, once you get rid of those student loans, mm-hmm. that's eliminating $700 a month. That's true. That's a big difference in your budget. Yeah. So that takes your, your spend down mm-hmm. significantly. Obviously, if you have a baby, there's other expenses that come up. So maybe right. those just offset each other. What you could do is once those loans are paid off, you could take that $700 a month from your budget mm-hmm. that was already earmarked for loans. And then that money goes towards an emergency fund for the future baby. Okay. So that your budget stays the same because even including that 700 in your month budget, which is what we did, you still had 1900 left over a month. Right. And then even if the Roth IRA, that's essentially $1,000 each month because there are two of us. Exactly. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So then you, so left over, if we keep everything the same left over after we do the Roth, you have 900 a month left over. Mm-hmm. And so that's a thousand dollars a month going towards Roth IRAs, which gets you to the max really, because that's 12,000, 12,000 a year. And then you have 700 a month going into a future baby account, which mm-hmm. is another good cushion. Cause if you do that for a couple of years, then you'll be in a great spot. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah, 700 a month works out to be 8,400. Yeah. Okay. And then the other 900 that would be left, I can just sort of divvy up for these other smaller. Exactly. Uh, saving goals. Smaller goals. Yep. Okay. And then that way you have enough of a buffer. So like, let's say in two years, then you have 16,000 saved up for the baby fund. And you say, mm-hmm. you know what, I think we're okay. I've gotten a pay raise or whatever it is. Then you can reallocate. 
Yeah. Always just move them around a little. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say if you can, if you can stick to this budget for the next, like, let's say two, two and a half years, you'll be in a great spot. Okay. I've, I've been feeling like, I don't know. I know that my husband and I are both still young, but because of, uh, grad school for me and grad school for him and his first job outside of grad school didn't have a 401k. I've been feeling like we're a little bit behind on the retirement savings. Um, yeah. And, and that's why, and that's why I would fo- focus on that, but you'll be surprised with your, cause you're going to be doing, you have a 12 and a half, he's doing 15. And then outside of that, you're each going to do another 6,000, mm-hmm. which based on your that's another 10% of yours so then you're at 22% and then he's at it's a little under 10%. So then you're each over 20% saving for retirement. That's a great number if you could do that for like I would target keeping that up even if you did it for 5 years. Okay. And because remember at a certain point the house fund and the emergency fund you won't have to keep contributing to. Right. So I would say once you hit these goals which I think you'll hit a lot faster than you think mm-hmm. with the, the emergency fund in the house goal. Yeah. Then we, you could always see about upping the 401k, his 401k. Cause you can do the, you can do a larger percentage in there. Yes. So he can always increase that. You can find out if there's any way to increase yours above what they told you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're doing the Ross. So I think you'll be in a good spot. You'll see how it'll start to, um, it's, almost like a domino effect. Cause once you get done with the emergency fund, right. Cause you've right. saved a lot of money. <laughs> what do yeah. you have? If it, was, if it was up to my husband, he's very conservative. He would have us save like a hundred grand in cash. And I told him, I think that's too much that we need. To- <laughs> yes. I can understand 50, 50 is okay. But like more than that, I think we need to more than that. You need to put it in your retirement. Yes. You need to put it in retirement because right now the bank is paying you nothing. So I'm no. all about a good emergency fund, but you also don't want to have, you know, too much in an emergency fund and then not be contributing enough to retirement. So that that's what I would do. I would keep saving up the cash, get the loans paid off. Mm-hmm. The money that you were spending on the loans would go towards a baby fund. I think if you saved like two years worth of money in there, like 16000 in addition to what you already have, I think that's plenty. I think you'd be fine. You can always dip a little from the emergency fund. Right. And okay. then max out Roth. And then after that, all of that is done, I would then start looking to increase the retirement savings. Okay. And I, just depending on where the baby, where you think the baby is going to fall in line. Like if you think that's three or four years out, then maybe I would do the retirement first. That's just kind of depending on where you're targeting these things to be. Yeah. Yeah. We're not quite sure either. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you could split the difference then. So you could do 350 a month towards the baby fund because you're not sure and, mm-hmm. you know, and, try, and increase the retirement with the other 350. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Because then you're kind of hedging yourself a little. If it happens sooner, you have some saved and you still will have a really good retirement or really good emergency fund to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I would definitely look over your retirement and see if there's sometimes there's a phone number you can call. Okay. Like your benefits people and just say, hey, you know, deferred comp in the IRS allows for a higher contribution limit than 9%. So. Yeah. It's usually a dollar amount. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely look into it. I was trying to look into it before this and I got confused. Um, Well, yeah, they don't make it very. 
No. <laughs> no. And because it's like with Virginia, they had like a different type of plant. Like they had two different types of plants up until like 2009. And then they combined them into this hybrid account sort of thing. So it's, I don't know. They have a lot of information for like the previous accounts and then this account and none of it quite made sense. And I was like, I, I'm going to do the max that I think I can do and <laughs> be happy with it. But I will definitely look into Yeah, definitely look into it because it's going to be relevant for you probably starting, probably starting next, next year. Mm -hmm. I would say the student loans, um, the Roth IRAs, and then from, and then next year, bump up the retirement. Okay. Alrighty. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I um, told my family about it and they were very excited. And my dad told me to write down my questions and send them to him so he could answer them and then compare them to what you said. So <laughs> how, did, how did I do? You're going to have to tell me how I did. I will. I, I haven't, haven't sent him the questions yet. I gave him like the general theme of the questions because I figured, you know, while we were talking is probably when I would think of more of the questions. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I'm excited about the direction. Yeah, me too. Um, and thank you for coming on. So for all of our lovely listeners, you can find our most up to date information on Instagram. And if you like or even love the podcast, please rate and review us and please share our podcast and you can check us out online at our website at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.